to another episode of Double Shot Connect. We've got the amazing, oh, we've got an amazing guest on today. He's uh, south. We've been doing a bit of south of the river lately, and he's definitely one of the best-looking roosters slash <laughs> tallest uh, roosters down here. So that's uh, very exciting. So if you're listening for the first time or a loyal listener, you know the drill. Follow us at Double Shot Connect if you haven't already. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform that you're listening to. Nath, I know that you were scrolling through the DMs during the week, and you got some uh, amazing feedback about the segment that you came up with. I mean, I haven't seen the messages um, that you're talking about. I don't know if you just made it up, but you've got some really good feedback, don't you? Yeah, as we know from episode 17, I do, other than working full-time, I do do a bit of scrolling and <laughs> look at some interesting articles and things like that. So yeah, I did get a bit of feedback and it sounds like people enjoyed our segment. So to any new listeners out there, our segment that we did was we basically did a live reaction to an article that was 11 things that you didn't say or you shouldn't say to your boyfriend. So I really enjoyed that. How how'd you find it? Yeah, I um, really enjoyed it as well. And I actually got a bit of feedback in my personal Instagram oh, yeah? from a very loyal listener. And uh, he said that he really would have liked it if we added a bit more to it and said that things that you and I have said embarrassingly to our partners, which I think very long list. I think he said 10, but I reckon there'd be at least 50 things. <laughs> oh, at least, I think. I think probably 100 given our track record (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh do you want to do the pleasure of introducing our lovely guest today we won't leave him sitting opposite us just drinking his Budweiser there by himself yeah it is my absolute pleasure to introduce this guest uh he's very close to my heart he's one of my best mates as Marvin said he's very tall he comes in at six foot six he probably will be a groomsman at my wedding um he has fallen asleep listening to the podcast, he reckons. Uh, he's an all-round great bloke. Um, everyone should get to know him in their spare time if they have the opportunity. <laughs> um, I will not hold this any longer, so I would love to introduce Rick Wallace to the podcast. Rick, welcome. Hey, boys. How are you? Cheers for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and we know that. You're an avid listener. You've listened to most of the episodes. So you know that the very first question that we ask our guest is, what is your Double Shot Connect moment? And for anyone new listening out there, a Double Shot Connect moment is an impactful or life-changing moment for you. So, Rick, what is your Double Shot Connect moment? Yeah, I'll just start off saying thanks for a very generous introduction there. Um, yeah appreciate that though um don't know how true that is but um and i think i enjoyed last week's episode so i think you've got something going there i'd like to hear a bit more about things you said to girls <laughs> so it could be a spin-off sort of show um but yeah so my double shot moment i'd have to say um would be oh about four years ago now um where i relocated I moved down to Albany. Um, for those who don't know, Albany's a country town or regional, it's more of a city, um, the bottom of WA. So I moved there um, in 2016 after uni. 
um, packed all my bags and literally day after my graduation ceremony, I, I left and relocated and <clears throat> his me started up life down there. So that would have to be it for me. Um, pretty life changing at that age, uh, moving when you're so comfortable here in Perth. And I suppose it sort of helped shape my career and in a way it's led to, to where I am today. So, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely at a um, really young age. Is there, you moved to Albany. Um, as you said, it's a town south of Perth. For people who don't know, it's very cold in Albany. <laughs> <laughs> very chilly, yeah. Um, is there... You moved down there for work. Is there was there any other like particular reason that you kind of were, as you said you were very comfortable in Perth that drove you to move down there, bar from work maybe? Um, sort of with footy as well. I I just sort of finished up playing a bit of a hard reserves with Perth, and um, I had no real commitments in Perth at the time, and. With footy, I sort of wanted, I suppose, a bit of a challenge and a bit of a taste to play a bit of country footy in a, in a way a relaxed setting, but just to sort of escape the, the Perth bubble and, and get out and, and just um, just try and, and, and go down there and give, give footy a go as well. So it's a combination of work, footy and just myself really, just wanted to um, do something different and you know we all always get so content with life which is which is fine um but i thought now's the age if i'm going to do something why not do it now i'm in my early 20s and so i had no strings attached but yeah yeah and he's a humble man rick because <laughs> he forgot to mention that I mean, he well he did mention that he was playing for perth before he left for albany but to give it the listeners a bit of context out there that was the Perth reserve squad for the waffle being the West Australian footy league so any listeners out there he's a handy handy football player there so you said you moved at a young age what was what was the biggest challenge in terms of readjusting down there did you find it easy or was hard to be away from home give us a bit more how you felt there um, yeah, found it okay. Um, I suppose, you know, like you guys, close with your family, it's always going to be tough to some degree. Um, but at the same time, you, you knew Perth was always there. You know, you, you get your, your public holidays and your milestones throughout the year. So, you know, you get your chance to come back, um, which is good. So I knew it, it wasn't, wasn't going to be forever. Um, and I'm lucky it's, you know, it was only four and a half five hour drive not a 10 hour flight or anything so that made it good um and then in a way it gave mum and dad a chance to come down as well but there are a few barriers and you know being away from you boys like I could have easily I suppose drifted in a way well it would be pretty hard because you know pretty close to my friends but you know to some for some people there might be a, a challenge keeping those friendships going but um, yeah, I was able to still stay really close with, you know, you boys and my mates and, um, yeah, it, it sort of all, all worked out in the end, so, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know Vams went down and visited you and spoke very highly of Albany and I went down earlier this year and, yeah, beautiful spot. What's the, um, what's, what's a major difference between living in, like, a country town like Albany and Perth, do you think? 
Um, well, everyone knows everyone that yeah. starters down there. Um, sometimes you want to just escape, just sort of go to the shops and, you know, not see a client or bump into someone in the town. Um, it is very clicky. Um, I suppose it, you know, it's got that hustle and bustle where everyone's in a rush. Everyone's quite laid back down there and very sort of slow moving. So in a way it's quite, quite calming, quite peaceful in a way, but uh, each to each their own really. Um, at the same time, I found it, it pretty similar on a whole. Um, but yeah, I suppose my, 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 my parents, when they came down, they reckon people were a bit more inclined to help maybe as mm. well. And, and, you know, that country sort of vibe and that culture maybe came in. But yeah, overall, I'd say there's, yeah, there's, there's similarities between the two, that's for sure. Yeah, and you got to feel how Vams feels in Perth. Everyone, every time you go out with Vams, everyone knows him. So, he's there. <laughs> the uh, Chris Hemsworth, yeah, the proud Chris Hemsworth. You can't even walk down to the IJ in Bull Creek and he's signing autographs and everything. Yeah. Oh, thanks for mentioning that early on in this podcast rather than later. How, how did the experience in Albany shape you as a person today? How did it help you? grow as a person what 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 are some of the things you did learn about yourself and that you hold to today yeah good question boys um probably gave me a lot more self-confidence and confidence to do my job but um just in in general life really um probably just sort of gave me a lot of experience life experience so living out on your own and having a you know fend for yourself and just be out there especially at 22 and um yeah just just a lot of lot of life experience really um i definitely think that i've sort of become better and you know managing my time as, as down there i was sort of working in a branch just just running the sort of show and, and you know you've you got to do it all book clients in um, organize a branch and and you know going down i was pretty average at that but um, in time, I sort of got got a little bit better, I suppose. So things like that, and just just general life skills. Really, it's hard to sort of pinpoint something, but um, yeah, it's definitely def- definitely made me a bit more confident in day to day life. Yeah, and tell us a bit more about your footy experience in Albany as well. Yeah, so I played footy for a team called the Albany Sharks. Um, shout out to them if anyone's listening back in Albany. Um, so I played for them for four years and we went three years without winning a game. So I played 45 games straight without a win, which is um, not something I'm super proud of, but it's a, it's a cool story because we eventually got a win in the end, which is um, you know, a bit of a success story. Um, but one of those ones where you know we might not have been the best on field, but honestly you know such a good club and, and culture there and and to me footy wasn't all about the wins anyway and that success it was about yeah just making friends down there and and just trying to you know develop some I suppose off-field relationships and, and you know just as, as long as um you can have a few drinks with the boys after and and you know you can be friends and things are good off-field that's that's you know 
what it is to me obviously I like to win but it's not the be all or end all <laughs> well, I think we so. all, all like, a, like the win what, what team did you <laughs> beat was the only team you, so we beat the first team the first team yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so record is 1 in 60 in here <laughs> um, we beat Denmark Walpole um, first round of 2019 last year um, so we came out um, and yeah just sort of pretty even for a while and then we just sort of ran over them mm. third and had a really good win which is yeah boys are pretty stoked about you could imagine <laughs> three four years a bit of a dry spell did you say um you won one game and lost 60 yeah oh, so we won, won that game and lost the next <laughs> those <laughs> lost num- 59 <laughs> those numbers sound familiar it sounds like <laughs> nate strike right right the key thing is here is that you get what you want in the end, all right? Exactly. Just keep persevering. Perseverance is key. <laughs> Perseverance it. is key. And that's really cool that you played that many games and, yeah, a lot of people might have just thrown the towel in because, um, as you said, winning's not everything. However, <laughs> a lot of people of it, yeah. go out there and, um, yeah, really, really good perseverance there. Yeah, and as I've said already everyone listening that he's a very humble man he's underselling himself again uh correct me if i'm wrong here you were captain down there yeah oh, thanks boys yeah um captain then for three years there um so some hard times so you could have blamed the captain <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that was a that was an experience as well i suppose that's something i learned down there developed a bit of leadership um you know, trying to steer aside through a few, you know, tough years isn't easy and get them up each week, um, present with some challenges. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, I've, we, we had a leadership group and felt like, you know, there was probably three or four of us that sort of tried to lead from the front. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a really, you know, good experience, something I'll look back on and something I can draw upon, I suppose, yeah, wherever I do play. Yeah, and you, you just mentioned it's not easy speaking week in, week out, especially when you're not getting the win. What kind of message, I guess this can relate to other areas in life, what kind of message do you give to your teammates or to the to the boys when, yeah, things aren't going so well? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a hard one. Like, when you play such a skill full side and you know you're in for a tough one, it's hard to get them up, but... We just sort of focused on like things that we could bring to the table, things that, you know, you couldn't necessarily train, things like just being competitive and being aggressive and and just sort of winning our one-on-one battles just through pressure because if we did that, things would unfold, um, which sometimes they did. You know, we had some really close games in there. So it's just about, I suppose, the mindset and getting them up. And we did have some really skilled players. So sort of getting them into the game and, and just sort of you know telling them to take the game on and, and just use what you've got um, but yeah we just tried to bring um, an aggressive sort of nature into it um, and just tried to sort of um, yeah just more sort of bring out traits in the team um, and just you know just sort of just try and motivate them in, in the way and motivate you know myself as well which a lot of the boys do sort of it's contagious if one person does a good tackle or something it, it rubs off on everyone else and, and it's sort of a flow-on effect so yeah and being a captain as well I, I mean you know it's a big responsibility you're leading the team 
out on the field you'd be leading by example trying to show everyone the good habits and things like that did you feel a big weight on your shoulders as a captain leading the side out or did you just feel like okay if I play my game then everything else will speak for itself yeah I probably did a little bit when I first um I first got it maybe um to some extent I did um sort of worry about you know the team and or how how am I playing and am I playing good enough to be you know the captain of this side like I had a lot of doubts at first and then um, I just tried to sort of, I suppose, you know, just do my best and everything else would follow. I knew if I sort of trained well and prepared um, and I was, you know, vocal on the day, things would sort of, I suppose, come out. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I suppose, that pressure um, and you're thinking a lot more about what's going on around you and, and reacting at first, I suppose, sometimes and, and sometimes that can take a bit away from your game. Um, it's something that, yeah, I, I suppose no one's ever, you know, perfect at. It's a constant sort of thing you, you got to work on. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's really interesting there because I think, you know, when you are a leader, it doesn't matter, I guess, whether it's on the field or you know at work or I don't know any sort of setting or even if you're just a manager at at work. You know, it's it's always tough because you do feel like there's more expectation on you to perform because everyone's sort of got the spotlight on you. So is there any sort of interesting situations as captain where, I don't know, there was two players not getting along and you had to step in or what was, I guess, like the hardest moment for you as captain? Oh, yeah, there's, there's probably one... Um for me that sticks out um, just at times throughout the game of course when you're losing and mm. you know, a few of us have white line fever um, as you do sort of say the wrong thing one time I sort of reacted to this guy who didn't kick me the ball and we'd been having all these talks at half time about and felt like he sort of you know wasn't going by what the coach sort of said and I was in the, in the right to, to get the ball and I sort of just had a, a go at him and just not a full-on go but he sort of reacted the wrong way and I sort of thought I might have been a bit harsh there in in how I said it Um, and you know you worry because you're like oh does he hate me now or or like what did I do do there but it's probably just about people management and knowing who's a bit sensitive knowing who can take a a bit of you know that harsh criticism on the ground and um, yeah I think it it's just managing yeah, your, your teammates and knowing yourself, all right, well, I probably wouldn't like it if someone said that to me in that way. So um, how could I, you know, word it better? Or if the message isn't getting through, let's do something together to get it through. So bring him in at, at the break or, or something like that. I don't know how, if you've had to manage any different, difficult uh, employers at work, employees, Nate. Yeah, it, unfortunately, I'm not at that level yet. But <laughs> oh, mate, you're, you're being humble now. He's <laughs> a team leader over here. <laughs> Senior team leader. <laughs> I think, as you said, Rick, you just got to manage personalities and different people react in different ways. So you have to adjust to suit. I think, as you said, one approach that you take for one person is not necessarily going to work for another person. So you just have to react and 
roll with the punches, as they say. What about you, Mark? Have you had to sort anyone out? Oh, mate, look at me. (laughs) What I got from that is um, I think it was Daniel Menzel. Didn't Daniel Menzel say something similar to that when he appeared on the podcast? Yeah, something about his coaching, yeah. Yeah, because he said, and he's a professional athlete like uh, like you, Big Rick. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, he was saying how, yeah, the managing of – everyone yeah you take it case by case individually yeah because people react to a certain thing differently to someone else um yeah i <laughs> haven't been in the privileged position that you two boys have uh, i'm uh, i'm just a peasant taking orders from uh, <laughs> higher ups but yeah i um i guess when you have a good leader i can guess take it from the other side when you have a good leader that is something I do appreciate that they kind of know. And I think that's what is a trait of a good leader, someone who knows um, how you react to things, knows your strengths and weaknesses. And, um, yeah, because I'm a bit sensitive. So. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to, get, easy to get flustered in the moment, you know, when you're angry. Like, yeah. it's easy to show it. But it's just, I suppose, controlling that. Exactly. Just, yeah, controlling the heat of the moment. Yeah, speaking of leadership, what kind of leader did you want to seem to be as oh good question um i was a bit of a quiet leader um i i look at some afl leaders and you think of like trent cochin has like a a really a, not as a as much of a vocal leader just sort of likes to let his actions do the talking if i could be half the player he he is that would be awesome but um i just sort of i just um wanted to just be someone who's approachable, someone who could talk to, you know, it doesn't matter if they're a cult or someone who's playing reserves or, or whatever, someone that could get along with everyone um, and just be an inclusive captain, bring everyone in together um, and someone that could, I suppose, just come off and just say, look, I did my part. Like if we got belted by a hundred points, it's like, well, at least I was there. I'd, you know, I tried, <laughs> I gave it a shot and something for the, I suppose, the supporters as well to look to and, and just sort of say, oh, well, he, he's trying to lead from the front. He's, he's, he's you know, can come off and, and hang your hat and, and, you know, be okay with your performance. Yeah, definitely. And you've known, Nath, how long have you two known each other for? Oh, year four. Yeah, five. year four. <laughs> so didn't start, pri- didn't start primary school together. No. Nah. My no. question, my question to you, Rick, as a uh, you know, you very talented football player here. What's <laughs> what's uh, old Varms like on the field? I know he's uncoordinated <laughs> a lot of things. Oh, I remember playing him against. Uh, he's playing for Bull Creek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was about oh. 12 years old, <laughs> running around the forward pocket. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. the, the little car, the little cars yeah. were flapping in the wind. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah um, Need to build those calves up if he wants to get back. <laughs> so he's not um, giving Dustin Martin a run for his money. <laughs> Need a few more tattoos. <laughs> it'd be it strike me as a good little gold snake, though, Nate. Just loitering in the forward pocket. <laughs> but um, on the hunt. one thing about Nate is he always had a good drop hunt and always had a good kick. Like kick, that's a, the thing. I remember doing some skills in him, like oh yeah, like hitting that lace out every time the short kick. But um. No, one thing I've said to him was Willerton's always there for a pre-season if you want to come down. <laughs> I, just, I just say this because um, I know we've talked about a lot of travel stories. However, Nate and I, I don't know if he's told you this, we were in Sri Lanka one day and we're just, myself and Nate and 
um, another person. We're just sitting up on this lovely hill and there was this group of guys playing cricket. <laughs> and Nate was just, you know, oh, I could, oh, I can hit that. Oh, that, they're not even bowling that quick. So I was like, mate, you know what? Go, why don't you go down and um, ask them if you can join them? So he's walked down the hill and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's done his time about 30 minutes of fielding. <laughs> well, I had to earn my stripes. Didn't just get a batting opportunity first off. <laughs> and then about three or four guys... Um, you know, get a bat and then Nate's walking up. Oh, is it my turn? Oh, no, uh, yeah, goes back. Oh, my. And then finally the guy feels sorry for him, says, hey, yeah, get him in. So Nate's been bagging everyone else <laughs> about their, um, their, 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 how they've been batting and whatnot. And then Nate finally gets a bat, first one in, hits it, clean ball. Oh, no. <laughs> Golden duck. <laughs> so that's my, um, that's my it's vision just, of. That's your favourite sporting moment. <laughs> yeah, that's my nine wide world Special, of sports yeah. classic moment. Specialty Taylor. So I, just, I just wanted to know if his AFL skills are as good as his cricket skills. <laughs> oh mate, they're all questionable. I wish I played against him more to, to tell you, Mark. But uh, yeah, one game. My footy <laughs> career was short-lived. So. <laughs> we did play a lot of cricket together, though. So. Yeah, we did. Yep. Nate was uh, medium medium pace. Yeah. <laughs> Left yeah. arm over the Left wicket. Arm reliable, Glenn McGrath. Style. <laughs> um, yeah, cricket days are always fun. Yeah, so, mate, we know you're an imposing figure on the footy field and you're you're imposing figure off the footy field. I was interested to know, you know, you're a very good-looking man and you're, you're very tall and you, you do get a lot of attention. And I, something I've noticed, like, you know, when we go to the shops and things like that, people definitely sometimes stop and admire your height and things like that. Um, I, I was wanted to know... How, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel, and also whether you do notice it as I do, does it make you feel a bit awkward or anxious when you go out or is it just something that you just, you're just used to? Um, yeah, some, sometimes I suppose, you know, you're wary of it when you're just walking by yourself through like carousel and someone will just randomly like feel like they're just staring at you and you're like, oh, what, have I done yeah. something or they're looking the wrong way? But um yeah, you definitely notice it from time to time. I think you're just so sort of, you know, used to it. I'm in my own sort of world most of the time. Um, not too worrying what people think, but then like you have the odd client. Like today I had this small little Filipino man and I sort of went in <laughs> him and his wife were like, like oh, how tall are you? <laughs> and um, you're like, oh yeah. Like, it's sort of, it always sort of is something that, that comes up. Um, no, yeah, you can't really escape it. I, I don't know. You're, yeah, very kind. Pumping my um, tyres up a bit, Nate, with comments about <laughs> my looks. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know about that, but I've definitely got the, the height, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> Has that... Um, yeah, well, I just want to confirm Nate's opinion. You are a very good-looking man. <laughs> I'm um, sure Jess will agree, Rick's girlfriend. Rick's girlfriend yeah. So I'm assuming, have you always been quite tall? Yeah, yeah, I've always, I think, sort of started year eight when I was 13 and I was sort of the same height as a lot of the guys. And, yeah. Um, just coming out of primary school and then I sort of shot up in year nine, ten. Mm. I grew a few inches and got up to about 197. Yeah, in, so you know, quite. Has that, has that ever been like an insecurity of yours? Um, back on not, what Nathan was saying? Not, not too much, really. I suppose playing footy, I'm always like, oh, you know, if I could be tall or sort of yeah. it's worked in my favour. Um, and 
there's something about a 200 centimeter thing. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, if I crack it, you know, it'll look good. But yeah. Um, I, yeah, it just sort of, yeah, it's never really bothered me too much. Yeah. Um, just sort of going about my thing and, and yeah. Yeah, most people are saying on their profiles they're six foot or one eighty. Rick's like, yeah, I'm two hundred. Yeah, so. just round it up. What's it? What? Yeah, what's it like when you're on, you know, on a plane, or oh. lying in a hotel bed or something? Yeah, it can be. Oh, I've difficult. seen him pretty sitting there, pretty uncomfortable on a flight before. <laughs> I remember um, flying to Europe with Shane D'Souza, who's my mate. Is probably half who high. does not listen to this yeah. podcast. He won't be listening. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember just walking out the extra 200 to pay for emergency for double-legged flight and Shane just being like, oh, like, screw it, I'm going to pay it as well. Is like, that when we saw each other at the airport? Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was then. Yeah, that was before we went. Yeah, and coming back, he, he probably paid for it as well. So. Yeah, and you didn't, didn't you forget your credit card or something so you couldn't get food on that flight? Oh, uh, yeah, it was like, I think they only offered... Yeah, as a credit, or yeah. I didn't have any Singaporean dollars, so <laughs> I couldn't eat for like a sixteen-hour flight, which for me that was pretty hard. <laughs> so, so, for context, I was at Singapore Changi Airport, and I'd had a bit too much to drink the night before, so I was in the food court of all places, and I just had some orange juice and some food, and I've gone to lie down, and then when I sat back up, I see Rick and Shane, and I was like, bloody hell, what are the chances? So, yeah, could not believe it. Yeah. Like, Singapore airport, some random food court, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a small world, isn't it? You think you, you know people in Perth, and then... Oh, it's a big world for Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Small world for you and I, mate. <laughs> what was that? Um, I don't know if you remember when we when we went to the Albany shops once, and then this this old couple came up to you. I can't remember what they said about something about manure or something like that. <laughs> oh, you, you get your go to comments like, "Oh, do they put manure in your shoes." That you go that way, or just you, you know, "Oh, you could come clean my house or something." <laughs> you know, yeah. There's probably been a few of those, mate. They sort of all blend in. Yeah, you just sort of, you, you just laugh and shrug them off, pretty much. Yeah, just do sort of fake laugh, I suppose. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, Rick. I get that all the time. People ask me if I do modelling full time, and I, it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Although you haven't had a modelling gig yet, so <laughs> oh, mate, come on. it's in the works. In the works. Yeah. Call his agent. That doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, at Nate Barnes on Instagram <laughs> and it'll give you a quote for, for um, what job you want me to do. Very cheap rates. <laughs> so, I know um, Nate spoke very highly um, of the, being a groomsman last year in 2018 at, and I guess we had on earlier, Josh Cable. Um, I believe you were a groomsman at that wedding as well. Yeah, Grimson yeah. at um, yeah, Josh's wedding, yeah. um, best mate over at East. So me, Nate, or mate Josh and I have been mates since, oh, yeah, since primary school. So yeah. I've known Josh for my whole life. So that was a, you know, a real, real honour to be up there with him and uh, something we'll always remember, won't we, Nate? Yeah, definitely. And something that I touched upon in earlier episodes is how I felt standing up there. So... Let everyone know how you felt standing up there being a groomsman, seeing, you know, everyone in front of you and Josh walking. Oh, well, Josh didn't walk down the aisle. <laughs> Clearly, I know how weddings work. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Josh was standing there and, you know, seeing his fiance walking down the aisle. How, how did that feel for you? 
yeah very emotional in a way um i think i nearly cried and just seeing you know the look on josh's face and um just seeing both families there as well um ron's family handing over their daughter and his family handing over their son and um just a, a really special moment and just it was just great to be a part of it and um there's something about you know when you're up there and the music hits the song they're, they're walking into and and just the stillness of the moment there's just something about it something really moving uh, I'll wait for Nate's now. <laughs> oh, I, think, mate, mate. <laughs> I think you're you're first. Yeah. So you're the one with the girlfriend. Yeah. When's the um, when's the wedding day? <laughs> Who's more? Who's yeah. 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 Find someone for Nate first. <laughs> we're still yeah. we're uh, what episode yeah. eighteen? So we've been doing this for just over Maybe. eighteen weeks, and this Nate's gone on about <laughs> one day, zero dates, zero. <laughs> Maybe what? the hundred. 100th shot maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe by the 100th shot we'll get him actually going on more than one day he's too picky this boy but yeah how about yourself um, do you reckon that's something that yeah. oh, <laughs> could yeah, be on definitely. the coming in sometime soon yeah beautiful girl remembering Jess listens to this everyone yeah. he has to She's say next week <laughs> yeah definitely um, something I've always wanted um, in life um, something that definitely be on the cards for sure. I was always sort of sad and you're probably the same mate. Sort of had Marv at the age where I suppose, you know, we're not exactly young or not old either, but you wouldn't sort of be in something if you didn't see a future and thing. So that's how I sort of looked at it. And yeah, really um, thankful for, for Jess if she's listening. So thanks for all that you do. Yeah, shout out to Jess. She's been a very big supporter of of this podcast. She's shared shared our episodes many a time which is much appreciated as well and something that rick just said which i think a a lot of young fellas should take some advice there and what he said was you know you when you when you're with someone you you know it's meaningful and and you're not doing it for the sake of doing it you want to be with them because you see a future so i think that's some really good advice there because obviously you don't want to be wasting people's time so you know sounds like you're speaking from experience about <laughs> got an incident or something of late oh i have not mate you know you treat people how you want to be treated so don't waste people's time Marv. <laughs> <laughs> yes no they're very very wise words then eh? just close the curtains there <laughs> on that one. <laughs> drop the mic change the topic <laughs> 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 he's gone he's gone very quiet sounds like he's had an incident <laughs> lately <laughs> there's been, not, there's been <laughs> no incidents mate have you have you found the, the dating scene with COVID mate <laughs> what going on oh I mean you know you have your you have your low patches I think you're going to be responsible I mean I live at home so you know I don't want to be bringing back any deadly viruses to my parents so I've got to I've got to be conscious of that but I guess now that uh Perth is sort of over that hump. Um, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> Perth's over that hump. How about you, Matty? Are, are you on any humps? <laughs> oh, as I said, I'm still searching for the one. So until that person doesn't come along, I'll just keep doing podcasts so I can stare into your eyes, mate. Yeah, good idea. And as you said, Nate, 
when the time's right, the time's right, and you'll know it. But yeah, back to it. <laughs> we've got you on today, tonight, Rick. We don't. We're not going to get the spotlight. Yeah, we're going to um, move away from Vimes' love life. I already targeted him enough with all that stuff. Um, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> Actually, before we move on, you're in the happy relationship here, and we'll we'll close the we'll close this topic off. Close the curtain now. As Berkey said, she gave eleven things not to say to your boyfriend. What's um, what's probably something that you have said to your partner that you wish you could have taken back at a later date? <laughs> oh, um, just don't question them or anything, <laughs> they do. Um, just did the shopping tonight and they're looking at the receipt. And I'm like, oh, so what'd you, you know, what'd you get? And uh, like, sort of asking her a bit about what she got. And, Got a bit defensive. I was like, "Oh no, sorry, no, I won't ask. Um, don't, don't question them. Don't, um, yeah, just uh, you know, stand up for yourself. You think it's right, but I'm trying to, you know, you always got to um, tread carefully." So, are you basically saying to sit on the fence? <laughs> sit on the fence. Put your fence Play both sides. He, he hasn't listened to episode seventeen. I got absolutely blasted for sitting on the fence. Never sit on the fence. Never sit on the fence. <laughs> Yeah. Mate, see, you work in the, I guess, health profession, you know, you're helping people with rehab and things like that. How, what's the feeling like knowing that you have a role to play in individuals' recovery process? Yeah, um, it's something, you know, sometimes when I break it down and think about it, I'm, I'm sort of like, oh, wow, like I'm a big factor in this person's recovery and getting them back not just to work but for day-to-day life and just for fun everyday function um it's something that you know it's a fine line you don't want to stuff up of course when you're dealing with people's bodies so giving them the right exercises and, and being mindful of that is is pretty important um but it's very rewarding you know like like yourself Marv worked a lot in mental health and with injuries come um, problems with mental health so um, helping them get back on their feet but also just sort of giving them exercise for a mental side is is pretty rewarding and seeing their mood change and um, you know we take so much for granted just to be able to get up in the morning and and not have a sore back but to someone it's just an you know it's a it's a win just to, to wake up with you know not having that back pain or be able to sort of put your shoes on by yourselves or something like that so um, you celebrate the big wins and it, it's sort of it's cool to be part of that in a way um, when someone you know we're dealing with workers comp so someone might have hurt themselves done their knee at work and and they've, they've got to be able to get back and, and lift 20 kilos or so and, and to give them a plan that gets them back to lift that um, it, it's pretty special to see so it's um, it's it's rewarding at the same time it can be uh, a long process and, and a lot of barriers as well so but um, yeah yeah and is is there a I guess there'd be plenty but is there one kind of case or one client that specifically stands out for you that you can just that you're really happy with or some challenges there that um, yeah it's a good question um, <clears throat> definitely had some sort of on my books have um, had a lot of Interruption. Some are still working with. Um, probably one has just had like so many like mini flare ups, and um, I sort of saw him with like no shoulder movement really, 
uh, wasn't really able to lift his arm, but now I sort of got uh, almost like full range of motion, full full function, lifting a lot of weight. He still has a few flare-ups, so um, I'm not able to sort of move him on just yet because there's still a, a way to go. But something like that, someone you've been working with a lot and um, he's had his, his challenges, but he just seems to keep overcoming them. So, so he, yeah, probably stands out to me, um, I'm sure. Yeah, everyone's, you know, got a whole lot of different, a different caseload and I'm sure there's that there's a lot, but for me that is probably one that it's just been really, I suppose, yeah, rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like you have a big role to play. Has there been sort of times when, I guess, not the line's been crossed, but like, you know, you're there providing, I guess, rehab advice. Has someone sort of confided in you to a level that you didn't really expect sort of thing like does that personal relationship develop and they start expressing you know a bit of mental health and things like that or they just see you as someone there for rehab and that's where it stops yeah sometimes especially with insurance and someone who's hurt themselves at work there's a lot of problems going on in the background and, and sometimes they bring those in to your session and they sort of in a way because you're there to help them giving them exercise and something positive um, they sort of really warm to you and they can sort of, I suppose, treat you as a bit of a counsellor in a way. And sometimes I feel like, oh, like, I don't know what to say here. I'm not a sort of a psychologist, but you just sort of got to keep giving them positive affirmations and, and um, just, just listening to them. I think at the end of the day, yeah, they, they just want someone to hear them speak and voice their opinion to. Um, so, yeah, it's just about it. Just being that and try not to, you know, in, intervene and get in the way too much with what's going on. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to cross the the, board, the boundaries between client and worker. But yeah, at the same time, it sounds like you do a really good job. Um, I know you and I have <laughs> chatted a lot about the, the um, about working and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I've listening to <laughs> listening back on this one, mate. Yeah. Good looking guy, you're tall, very uh, very noble profession. Plenty of strength. Yeah, all, all around good bloke. I've only Vimes had a few of those traits, maybe you could find him a girl. But yeah, you um yeah, you just really, really I mean, obviously you and Nath are very good friends and I've known you for a while now. We haven't probably don't see each other as much as we'd like to, but yeah, you just yeah, do such do such an amazing job and it's really, really cool listening to the insights of it. Yeah, and yeah. you said positive affirmations. Do you have any go-to positive affirmations or you just uh, sort of... Um, that stand out, really. Um, I just sort of think at the moment, really. <laughs> no uh, go-to quotes. No, You no. can do it. <laughs> Rome wasn't built in the day. <laughs> Always just like, oh, you're doing really well and look how far you've come and, you know, just, yeah, I think... I think people will respond better when you've got measurable goals. So mm. something like, oh, like your strength was this and then now it's this. I'm mm. just showing them that. And yeah, just, just positive reinforcement really. I think that goes a, a long way. Yeah. Yeah, so there you have it, everyone. He's also a very positive person as well. So as I said at the start of this podcast, you should 
get to know this bloke in your spare time because it's well worth it. How do we find you? You want you want people, our loyal listeners, to find you on uh, social media? Yeah, what's your what's Insta handle? Uh, so Richter twenty three. Uh, what, what's twenty three? Got is that any significance? Uh, lucky number, um, Buddy Franklin. Was, yeah. <laughs> Buddy Franklin wanted me. Um, that was my playing number in Albany, and it's just always been, I suppose, family lucky number. Um, yeah, love the big 23, big butt as well. So yeah. And speaking of family as well, uh, shout out to Rick's family, Brendan, Dawn and Glenn. I hope they listen to this podcast as well. I'm sure they'll enjoy getting some insights into Rick's life. So, yeah, mate, once again, thanks for coming on. It's been a, a long time coming. It's great that we were able to organise an episode tonight. Much appreciated. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. No worries. Yeah, thank you very much. And for anyone who's listening is interested in boxing, this episode will come out on Sunday and the fight would have already happened. Who's your tip for tonight in the big fight? And let's see if you're right. I might go for the Hornet tonight. Hopefully you can get up. Yeah, what about you boys? All right, we'll open sports bet and put a bit of money on it. (laughs) Yeah, chuck some money on. So there you have it, guys. Episode 18, Marv. We're almost at 20. (laughs) Big, big numbers, big number. And we've got a big surprise for you, Vams and Marv, in a few weeks. We won't say the location, but we are going to be broadcasting an episode Live. from a beautiful, beautiful spot in Western Australia. So tune in for that. So once again, guys, thanks for listening at Double Shot Connect. We'll see you on the next episode.